Thank you for joining us for another powerful message from the teaching ministry of Destiny Church. We hope that you'll be challenged and stretched to grow through today's message. But most of all, we hope that you'll encounter the Father's love. If you're in the greater Mobile Bay area, please join us for our weekend worship celebration. Or if you're looking for a church family excited for a revival, please come join us in bringing heaven to earth. Amen. So it's good to see you guys this morning. Um, Go ahead and get your Bibles out, whatever that looks like. If you got a physical Bible like I've got right here, or if you are going to be tuning in uh, through some kind of mobile app or or whatever. But um, when you leave today, we're going to give you this little cup. Uh, Take one for you, your family. Um, This is just our declaration that's on the screen. And it's just something that to get this in your spirit throughout the year. If you weren't here last week or if you're watching and uh, you didn't catch us last week, this is our declaration for 2021. Are y'all ready to say it? Because we always say this together. We do this every week, every service. Uh, It never fails. We always do this. We have, I was going back over the last, uh, I don't know, about seven or eight years when God really began to kind of speak to our church like this. He would give us like a focus for the whole year. Uh, I've never been one of those uh, people to kind of programmatically do that, but uh, it's just weird. It just started happening to me, and around the, uh, the, I don't know, eighth or ninth month of the year, God would just begin to speak to me and say, this is what I want you to lead the church through uh, the, in, in the year to come. And so this year, uh, this, is, this is it. It's all about guarding our heart and aligning our heart. Uh, with the Word of God, and because uh, everything we do flows out of that. So can we say it? You ready? Here we go. I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's Holy Word, for everything I do flows from it. Amen. I pray that, God, you would help us to align our heart with your Word. And there are so many important words up there uh, on the screen. I will constantly, man, you have to constantly guide your heart, guard uh, your heart. You have to constantly align it. Uh, it. It's just human fallen nature tendency to to drift away from uh, God's standards. So it's like we're constantly having to bring ourselves back into alignment. So let this get into your spirit and let's live this out this year. Um, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Uh, we started a new series last week called Ship Shape. And uh, this series really deals with uh, how God shaped us, how he designed and created us. So Acts chapter 2, we're going to be learning a little bit today about uh, how the, whole, the, the holy church, once it was birthed on the day of Pentecost, how the church began to respond uh, and how they begin to act. And so as, before I go into this, I need to, I, I just want to say something from my heart. Um, because these are crazy times that we're living in. And um, it really kind of irritates me uh, that, um, that people get caught off guard by it. Because the word is clear on what the end times look like. The word is clear 
that in the last days, people will be lovers of pleasure and lovers of themselves more than lovers of God. They'll have a form of godliness, but they won't uh, really possess the power. Uh, and so, you know, there's, we understand that in the last days, there's a great falling away. We see that happening right before our eyes. Yet, we also know that as prophesied by the prophet Joel, that in the last days, there will also be a great outpouring and God will be raising up in time prophets sons and daughters will be uh, dreaming and there's a spirit of prophecy that will uh, be pervading the church uh, uh, age and so you know I, I, I mean we know that it's it's crazy right now but guys the scripture tells us that the scripture tells us that perilous times are going to come. It tells us that tribulations are going to come. And how are we to respond during that time? I'm telling you, I don't need to see how sharp you are uh, when there ain't no emergency. I don't need to know how much you know about a subject if you ain't using it. Are you following me? What I need to know and what you need to know about me is when the time comes and it hits the fan, so to speak. Oops, I know that probably wasn't a good illustration to use. But you know where I'm going with it. But when it breaks out, what, 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 does, what does it look like then? You know, what does the church look like? What does the individual look like? What does leadership look like? And I just want to tell you, I never, I never wake up a day that I don't disappoint people. That's hard for a people pleaser like me. You know, I'm serious. That's hard for a person who has lived his life trying to please people. And that derived, that, that's derived a lot out of uh, childhood trauma that I went through. And I was trying to uh, get so much acceptance. And, you know, I don't like people to be upset with me. But I have just come to understand that there is not a day that I wake up that I don't disappoint somebody. And that somebody's not upset with me. If I do this, somebody's upset because I did this and I didn't do that. If I do that, somebody's upset because, you know, and you're probably going to be like that too a lot in your world. But guys, I'm telling you what, I'm a preacher. I'm a pastor. I'm a discipler. I'm a teacher. I'm one of the five-fold uh, uh, offices that the Lord has called me to be upon this earth. I'm not a politician. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a lawyer. I'm not even a counselor. I can, I can counsel and give biblical uh, advice and wisdom, but I'm not a counselor. If you come into, to me to try to fix your screwed up brain, you come into the wrong person. You need to go to somebody who's got some study in that. All I can do is try to point you to Jesus and, and, and you lay hands on you and pray for you. But you know what I'm saying? I'm a preacher. I'm not, I'm not all those things. I'm a discipler. My job on this earth is to create disciples. Now, yes, that's everybody who is a follower of Christ, but, but I'm tell, this is my calling in life. And so, you know, I, I really guess what I'm trying to say is, you know, the Lord has called me as a leader to uh, just remain calm. Like nobody wants a leader that's freaked out and panicked. And normally, uh, you know, in, in a, if you've ever been around me in some situations, I, you are going to think my motor skills don't work. <laughs> I'm serious because I'm like, 
I'm going to be slow to respond. I'm going to, you know, if, I mean, I'm serious. If I'm fixing a crash in front of a car in front of me, I'm like, I can see it playing out in slow motion, and I don't do knee-jerk responses and actions. I, it will truly look like my motor skills don't work. But I have come to, um, over a course of period in my life, like, I don't like to react. I like to respond. And there is a difference between the two. And most people live their life in the reactionary mode in, instead of the proactive mode. And so I'm like, I like to have a plan. I like to be well thought out. I like to be prayed up. I don't like to do a lot of patty cake prayers. Uh, to me, uh, sometimes that can look unspiritual. Like, to me, I'm not real about like, y'all, let's get together and pray right before church happens. You know, even though we do that with our prayer team and everything, I want you to stick with me for just a second. I'm not into patty cake prayers. Like, if we waited till today to start praying, oops, too late. I do believe that there are times where it's like, guys, let's stop and pray for a second. But, but that's after prayer has already happened. That's after there's been a foundation and a lifestyle of prayer and planning already, already back there. It's the cherry on the top. You know what I'm saying? It ain't the cake. It's the cherry on the top. I'm like, I'm all about having a plan. And right now, what's happening in our nation, it grieves me on so many different levels. And I can't, there's not a Sunday I can stand up here and look into the, the, the camera or talk to you that I will not make somebody upset. But I'm telling you, like, what's happening in our world right now, like, we shouldn't be in freak-out mode. I just got a text a few minutes ago uh, from, uh, from family members, and if you're watching, hey, I love you, don't write me off as, as family. Uh, but, but what I do want to say is I'll take into consideration what you're saying. I'll take it into consideration, but I'm not... This is not my response. Holy crap! Oh my God! That's not going to happen with me. It's not, that's not leadership. And listen, I know a storm is coming. I, I get that. I get that. But you know what? The, the disciples are freaking out. But Jesus is sleeping. They are freaking out. What the... Do you not care that we are about to capsize? We're all going to die. And Jesus is as calm because, see, he's about his father's business. And listen, there ain't a person on this planet that's going to leave the planet until you have accomplished your assignment. If You know what I'm saying? If you're walking with the Lord, he's giving you an assignment. You're not going to leave this world. When I get on an airplane, I never even think about it crashing. And I'm like, if you're on an airplane with me, we're good. Because I'm on assignment. I'm on assignment. And it might crash on the way back. <laughs> but not till I get that assignment finished. You know what I'm saying? And, and I don't mean to make anybody mad. I don't mean to make my family who sent that to me mad. You know I love you. And I'll take it into consideration, but I'm not scared. I ain't scared. I'm not scared. God is in control, man. 
He is in control. I do want to say this. Um, like there are so many people that are disillusioned. That song that y'all sang this morning about the wisdom, now that's a powerful song. And I was thinking, because that's, that's one of the wells. Now I ain't preaching yet, all right? Just want to make sure. Um, Mr. Senator, I reclaim my time. Uh, you know, I ain't preaching yet. I ain't claiming my time yet. But that song that y'all sang was powerful because it talks about uh, it talks about wisdom. And the Lord spoke to me about the the redigging of the wells. Um, wisdom is a well that we've got to redig. We got to redig that one, man. That thing's been filled up with so much stuff. We got to redig the the well of wisdom. We got to redig the well of integrity. I'm telling you stuff that you're going to hear more about through through. We got to redig wells of integrity. We got to redig the wells of of personal witness and things like that because we have allowed those things to be uh, filled. The world is in a state of confusion, and it pains me. You know. Um, I want to say, like, I've, I've had I've, so much dialogue with people over the last week or so with the whole capital thing that, that took place. And, uh, you know, they, they see that and they think those people represent the church. They don't represent me. They don't represent me. That's not my heart. Um... You know, what happened at our nation's capital was wrong. Uh, it's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. It's shameful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we could get into dialogues all day long about, well, what about all the riots that happened and, and, and those were wrong? Two wrongs don't make a right. You know, all of the rioting was wrong over the deaths of all of those people. All of that was wrong. Buildings were burned down, yada, yada, yada. But what happened at the Capitol was not right. And that is not representative of the body of Christ. And I'm just telling you for me, because if you're going to stay here, you might not be here after this, but, you know, after today. But if you're going to be here, you need to know what kind of leader I am. I take all of that into consideration. But it ticks me off when I am called uh, 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 so many different things that I'm not. And I'm like, you know, I've said we're going to pray for our president. Our president right now is President Trump. We prayed for our president when he was Obama. You know, we didn't exist as Destiny Church when Bush was in office, or actually a little bit of it, uh, you know, it was transitioning over. But we're going to pray for our president when it's Biden. You know, and I, I know that scares people that, like in the, in the room because we're still holding out hope for this and that and the other. But, you know, but whoever that ends up being, but I ain't a politician. There's not a thing I can do about who's in the Oval Office except two things. You know what they are? Pray is one of them and vote. I did my job. I did my job as a leader. And, uh, and I, that's, that's what I tell people. Vote and pray. Vote and pray and trust God that God is in control. And, you know, I personally, and, and I'm not telling you who you, to vote for, who not to, but, you know, but I personally am going to vote a conservative ticket always. 
If that's a Democrat or a Republican, it doesn't really matter. I vote a conservative ticket because I believe abortion is wrong. There are certain things that I'm always going to, to kind of judge some of those things by. But really, man, vote your conscience. Pray about it. Let God be in control. And the church needs to do the church's job, which is pray. And we've done, we've done less... I'm just saying, I'm, you, you, might, you might stand up and say, Pastor Rife, I, you ain't talking about me. And I may not be talking about you, but I am making a generalization that the church has done less praying and, and, and more uh, of, of spewing stuff. And it's hurt the witness of the church. And you get these fringe people. Like there were good people at the White House literally just trying to let their voice be heard. Absolutely nothing wrong with that. But what happens is we, we, when we get it all uh, mixed up and flared up in emotions, people who are out there who are just crazy, lunatics, partner and you got to watch out for who you partner with i'm just saying there are people that will partner with you in a number of ways even in the church i'll have people like who want to partner with destiny and i and i'm like i love you in the name of jesus but you crazy i'm just being honest with you you are crazy and you can't partner with us because we ain't about that crazy you know we ain't that we ain't that version of crazy christian I mean, we, are, we are already people think we're crazy because we're spirit-filled and we, uh, we're, we're uh, you know what I'm saying? That we truly believe the, the gifts of the Spirit are in operation. We already are on the crazy train for a lot of people, but there's some lunatic-type folks that they want to try to get up in here. And I've just told them point blank, I love you. I, I love you as a, as, as a person, but no, you cannot preach here. No, you cannot teach here. No, you, we're, that's not who we are and that, that's not what we're about. And I hope you don't take this as a political rant because it's not. I know some people will and that's okay. I don't care. But what I am saying is it is, we got this year, we really need to focus on like, God, what are you saying for the church to do? There are politicians that they're either doing a good job or a bad job. And I believe some of them are doing a good job and some of them are doing a terrible job. But we're voting them into place to do that. Let's let them do their job, even if it's a bad job. God worked throughout history through terrible leaders, through pagan, ungodly leaders. But let's just, let, let's, come on, man, let's get our focus back. Let's get what God's called us to do. Let's get the anointing that he has on us. Let's pray, train, and disciple. Have you ever thought that maybe what's happening in the world is the church's fault? I'm not saying it is. I'm just saying, like, look, if we are raising up disciples, kingdom people, then they should be infiltrating those spheres of influence. And they, if, the, if they're being raised up into those spheres of influence, but I'm going to tell y'all what happened. See, I, Lord, I'm sorry if I'm just mad today. But I'm going to tell y'all what happened. The church abandoned the world. And what we did is we, we got caught up 
in this thing that we want to call revival that I'm not even sure was revival. Now, I know some of y'all are mad at me, and I just flat out don't care. But we got caught up in this thing called that we called revival, that I'm not really sure was revival, and we wanted to c- come in here, and it's going to sound like I'm being sacrilegious, but I tell you I am not. I am a tongue-talking, spirit-filled man of God. I have rolled around in the floor under the power and the uh, anointing and unction of the Holy Spirit. I, I, I'm not negating any of that. But what has happened is the church wants to come in and, and for Decades, the church has wanted to come in and have a good old feel-good experience where we were more experiential than, than we were, were than anything, and we have let the world go to hell in a handbasket, and now we want to complain about it. Give me a freaking break. We have got to, uh, we've got to stand up. We've got to reclaim our calling. We've got, to, we've got to be the church. We are divided. Let's let the world see a, a united church. Let's let the world see a church that's coming together. You know, this is what's going to happen. And it's going to happen when the church starts operating as the church. Man, I could tell you, if you'd let me, I'd give you about five hours of discourse on some prophetic correction that I believe that the church needs, needs to have. Today, all right, my clock can start now because I'm, I'm going to talk to you, all right? You know, in this series called Ship Shape, it's how God shaped us. Last week, I talked to you about how the Lord shaped us for relationship, first of all with him, and secondly, today I'll talk to you how he shaped us to be in relationship with people. Relationship with the Lord is called lordship. Relationship with people is called fellowship. So God shaped me for relationship with people. Like, I don't know about you, but I, I enjoy solitude. Anybody in here love to be by themselves? I love solitude. But God didn't make us to be by ourselves the whole time. He didn't. And, you know, and I can give you so much evidence of God and how he created us. He shaped us for relationship. And there's a time and a place for solitude. There is a time and a place for seclusion. Jesus knew the value of getting alone and being by yourself and you ain't got no disciples in your hair. You ain't got no snotty nose kids in your hair. Your wife ain't telling you what to do on her list. You ain't got no church people messing with you. Your, your, your boss and work and all of that, you put it aside. There is a value in solitude where you can restore yourself. But God at the very core, he created us for relationship. When he looked at Adam, I believe it's in Genesis 1.26, when he looked at Adam, he looked at Adam and he said, it's not good for man to be alone. He didn't look at it and it wasn't an afterthought. He wasn't reacting to something he did that wasn't good. It was always his plan that a woman would come along. It was always part of his plan that there would be a man and there would be a woman. He didn't look at it and go, oh, dude, I totally overlook the fact that this isn't a good idea for him to be alone. No, what he was saying is he was pronouncing his his true intention for man. It's like, I just want y'all to know, I'm creating two of these because one of them by itself ain't, ain't a good idea. Are you following me? 
Not only that, he created us for communion. He, last week when I talked to you about lordship, God himself walked. I don't even, what did that look like? Adam and Eve walking around butt naked in the garden with God and nothing was wrong. There was no sin anywhere and God would come down in the cool of the day and they would come out and they would have communion with them. And I wonder what that looked like. God created us for his pleasure. He created us for relationship. And then, you know, when you look at it, the scripture says that he created us in his image. God is the divine model of community. Father God, Father uh, God the Son, God the Father, God Holy Spirit is the perfect union. He's perfect in his unity, in his communion. They ain't never gotten an argument. Never. God's looking over at uh, Jesus. I mean, you have to understand. We have to at least some point break this down into a place we can understand. There aren't three gods. There's one. He exists co-equally as three. We don't understand that in our dimension so you understand, I'm just going to try to break it down in some humorous kind of way. But God, he looks over at Jesus and he says, I think I'm going to need you to go down there and straighten it out. I ain't going out there. You're the one that created them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going down there. I need you to die on a cross. To heck you say. You know, I mean, there was never any of that. Perfect communion. Among them, I can, that blows my mind. Shay and I have a great relationship, and we ain't ever been in perfect community. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, it's hard for me to believe what perfect communion is. But God is the model, and he's created us in that image. And his desire is truly for us to live in unity. Community. Communing. In unity, living together. If God designed us that way, it's possible. When they were building the Tower of Babel, you know what God said? He's like, yeah, I got to put a stop to that because, you know, there's no telling what they can do. That, basically, I'm paraphrasing. But it's like, you put your mind to it. When God created us, in his image, and he is perfect community, then it is possible for the church to live in perfect community. Y'all don't believe it? I don't really believe it either. It's hard for me to believe because I know people and I know me. But if God created us in his image, it's possible that I can live in communion with a Democrat. I know because I did it for so many years. Sheila's first husband was a flaming Democrat. And I've never truly, I don't guess I've considered myself a Republican. I've just a conservative but you know he and I disagreed on so many things I God as my witness 
I never once was mad at him about his views. Because I loved him. And he loved me. And we were able to just do life together and do raising our kids together and dinners together and holidays together. I slept at their house. They slept at my house because we loved each other. And none of that other stuff really mattered at the end of the day. God shaped us to be in relationship with people. And relationship with people is called fellowship. Fellowship. And I want us to look at Acts chapter 2, and I want us to look through this and see how the church responded when it was born on the day of Pentecost. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, you're there? It says, all the, there's so many words, like, I don't know how you are with scripture, but like, I, sometimes I'll just get stuck on one word, because it's so important, and we'll read over them sometimes. But I'm, I'm, take your Bible out or take something and, and mark it up. But there are so many words in here that it's hard to read through it without stopping. But I'll read the first line, verse 42. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and to prayer. All. All the believers. I'm just going to be flat out honest with you. I couldn't get all of y'all to commit to doing the same thing. It says all the believers. There was like 100%, not a single one. Not all of y'all, but Zuri over here is doing her own thing. Not all of y'all, but Shay ain't in alignment with it. All the believers. They all devoted Devoted. Devoted. Ooh, Jesus. Devoted. Not, I'm going to have to pray about it. No, you won't. Stop lying. <laughs> well, I'm going to have to pray about it, preacher. No, you don't have to pray about it. There are some things we don't have to pray about. I got to pray and see if it lines up with my schedule next week. No, you don't. There are just some things. Just do it. Somebody needs help, help them. You don't have to wait and ask God. What do you do with that, Lord? Lord, you want me to help them? Of course he wants you to help them. I got to pray about if I'm going to teach that small group preacher. No, you don't. If you're devoted... That is such an Americanized... Some of y'all need to get out of the country, for God's sake. Y'all need to go and experience church, Christianity, in a third world country. I got to pray about it, preacher. Well, number one, you're probably not going to pray about it. One of my good friends, and I can say this because they're a good friend of mine. They're still a good friend of mine to this day. I needed a fifth, group, a fifth grade Sunday school teacher... Back in the day when we had Sunday school. I needed a fifth grade Sunday school teacher. She was good. She would come and she would be like, uh, I would say, hey, I need you to teach this class. Would you? I'm going to pray about it, Pastor Ray. And man, I'm telling you, I was struggling. I mean, I, I don't know. I had probably, I had to have like 25 teachers. And 
she was good. She was solid. She was spirit-filled. And I went up to her and asked her, and she's like, well, I'm just, you know, I'm probably just going to need to pray about it. And I said, you don't have to pray about it. I said, you say that every time I come to you, and you've been praying about it for a long time. And I'm just telling you, the Great Commission says go and make disciples. I got a whole room of rowdy disciples in there that I need you to go in there, and I need you to teach these kids. You can make a difference in their life. You know, there's, so it's like they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Apo who's the teaching? The apostles' teaching. I'm just going to be, ooh, this is, can get me in a lot of trouble. I, I'm, I'm tired of folks, probably some of y'all, but I'm tired of folks being disciples of people you don't even know. And then you pretend to be aghast. <gasps> I'm shocked that they were sleeping around with 18 women while they were ministering. You don't know them. You need to be under the leadership. I know this sounds self-aggrandizing and building myself up and self-serving, but I promise you it ain't. You need to be under the leadership of somebody you know. Maybe they hadn't written a top 10 seller on the New York's bestseller list. Maybe they don't have a big glamorous TV show or whatever or blog or whatnot. But you need to be under the leadership of somebody you trust. And you need to be under the leadership of somebody that has a proven record of ministry. You need to be under the leadership of somebody who can correct you. Because I'm telling you, Bill Johnson ain't going to correct you. Y'all get mad at me if you want to. I'm telling you, Jensen Franklin ain't going to correct you. I'm telling you, Rod Parsley, he ain't going to correct you. Like he might do it in a blog, but you know what you got? You got the opportunity to cut that mess off. But when you're under the leadership of an apostle, when you are under the leadership of a, a, a five-fold ministry leader, and you get out of alignment, there's going to be a, a lunch that you and that leader can have where he's like, hey, brother, I love you, but you are out of line. You're going to lose your family if you don't, if you don't straighten up and fly right. You, you, you're headed down a road. You, know, you ain't going to get that out of these guys because why? You're not in relationship with them. You need to be in relationship under somebody who's, who has some apostolic authority in your life. Here's the sad fact of the matter. Most of the church today is not in relationship in a way that they are un in relationship with anybody apostolically that they will allow to speak into their life. It's just the truth, friend. It's just the truth. I have seen it time and time again. I have thought for the longest time that it's like, well, mate, that's just the Isolated case. Oh, that was an isolated case. Oh, that, I'm, that was an isolated case. And you got 12, 25, 50. 
isolated cases. No, at some point, it becomes an epidemic. No pun intended. It becomes a pandemic. No pun intended. And that's where, where we have, like, you know, the church does not want to be corrected. I don't blame you. It ain't fun. It's not fun to be corrected. But it's the right thing to do. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And a deep sense of awe came over them all. And the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, shared their money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. See, church on Sunday is an Americanized thing. You, you go to some third world countries, we have gone to churches where they go to church every day. Every day. The average churchgoer in America comes to church one to two times a month. One to two times a month. That's their community with the fellowship of believers. In other countries, it's like, man... Every day they are there. Am I saying that's what they need to do? I'm, what we need to do? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the, the scripture says that they worship together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. And they shared meals with great joy and generosity. Joy and generosity were, were traits that God birthed his church with. Is that what we see today? I think we do, and I think we don't. I think there are times where I see great joy in the church, and then I think there are times where, you know, we, um, we see great uh, despair in the church. And I'm like, you know, again, we talk about God is in control. We talk about God... Uh, is our sustainer. We talk about God as our refuge. We talk about God as our strong and mighty tower. We talk about, you know, it's like, but live it. Like, we got to live it. We have to be doers of the word and not just knowers of the word, hearers of the word. We really have to do this stuff. And man, they were, they were known for their joy and for their generosity. And all the while, praising God and enjoying, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship of those who were being saved. They enjoyed being together. There are people I enjoy being with. And then there are people I don't enjoy being with. Y'all quiet. Sierra is the only one that really looks at me like she's believing it. She's like, mm-hmm, Pastor Ryan, I got some people I don't enjoy too. But, you know, I don't enjoy being around everybody because they're doom and gloom. When they come in, I see them walking with their little umbrella 
because a cloud is coming and they just everything is going to be horrible and terrible and it's terrible you know and I'm like "Mm -mm." I'm like you need to grow the heck up like how old are you in Jesus you know what I'm saying like how old are you in Jesus and you still acting like that you need to grow up like at some point you can't be doom and gloom at some point you can't be all mealy mouth at some point, you can't be all down in the dumps. And what's the Eeyore uh, little uh, donkey that his tail keeps falling off in Winnie the Pooh? You can't be Eeyore all your life. You know, at some point, you got to put your big boy pants on and your big girl pants on. And you got to grow up in the Lord. And there's, there are times, yet, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it ain't fun right now. But it's like, God, who are we? Are are you know, are we watchmen on the walls? Are, are, we, are we warriors or, or what? The Lord gave me, and, and Alan, you'll remember this because uh, you are the one that interpreted it for me, this dream that I had. And I've said this before, so just bear with me. I'm getting to that age. I repeat myself a lot. Uh, but... I remember having this dream, and I'm driving this boat. It's straight down the middle of the highway. It looks like a pirate ship. I'm standing at the, the big old wheel, and I'm just driving right down the middle of an asphalt uh, highway. And all of a the sudden, these big old rock formations start coming up out of the pavement, and it's hitting, and it knocks the boat off course. And I'm like, I- I'm getting this thing back over here and about the time I get it there it's like "Mm," again and it knocks us off course and I'm you know getting this and I'm like I'm just I'm just struggling with it and then I wake up and I'm like that was crazy don't know what that was baby don't make that meal you know anymore because it messed me up last night and I'm having these crazy visions and things and I'm telling this to uh to Alan and Alan uh, and he he interprets the dream for me and I'm paraphrasing, and he says, he says, the Lord is saying that he has called you uh, to, to keep the ship steady and that things are going to come and they are going to try to knock it off and it'll be the voice of this person or it'll be this cultural event or it'll be this, uh, you know, uh, uh, incident to happen. And he's like, keep your focus. God is calling you as the shepherd to keep the ship uh, straight on course. And uh, there's a part in there that it says, uh, in the vision, what I had done is... It, those things had kind of calmed down, but then I could see out in the uh, water there were there were still pretty big rock type formations, and it's like we would very carefully just go around those, but we had to slow the ship way down, almost to a snail's pace. We just had to slow it down and go around those things and navigate. That's what we have to do, church as the church during this time. It's crazy. There are going to be so many things that are going to come up that are going to try to get us off course. We've got to slow and steady. Forward is the way. That's the way we've got to go through this season that that we are in. God chose us. You and I could have been born at any time in history. 
We could have born in a, be born in another country, but God chose this time for you and me to be born into history. So let's not disappoint. Let's rise to the occasion. Let's do what God is calling us to do. I'm telling you what, it's time. It is time. And so let me just share with you a, a few more things, all right? Fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia, which literally means partnership. That's when he says, and, and the church grew in fellowship. He, they grew in koinonia. They grew in partnership. Anywhere you look throughout scripture, there are times where it's, it, it talks about community, koinonia. Fellowship, koinonia. There are any time, also times where it even talks about generosity. And they use the word koinonia. Because generosity, it's not my job. It's not just my job to fund foreign missions. It's our job. It's not my job just to buy the crayons for your kids. My kids are grown. I'm paying for college. You going to help me with that? You know, no, it's not my job to pay for all the crayons in the back that the kids are using. It's our job. You know, when he says fellowship, cornania, God's idea of that is partnership. God will do part and you'll do part. And here's the deal. Because if you're not careful, you'll look at it through a lens, through, through a lens that's incorrect. Like, oh, so I get it. There's responsibility. And I have to... No, you're looking at it through the wrong lens. You have to look at it through the lens of love. Like, God doesn't want you to do it because, like, in our house, everybody has a job. You have to do your chores. No, he's like, you have something to add. And I love what I created in you. And I want to partner with the gifts that are inside of you. That's what God's idea of that is. And so... When we think of koinonia, when we think of fellowship, that God created us, he shaped us for fellowship, he shaped us for relationship, that there is a partnership in every relationship that you are in. And you don't have to feel bad about wanting that person, you know, now hear me, I get that there are seasons where you, God calls us to pour into someone Stay with me. He'll pour, call us to pour into someone, to invest into someone, that they are not at a place that they can give back. Are you following me? However, there has to come a time where that person has got to get well or whole enough, and it's now time for them to begin to give back. And there's nothing wrong with expecting at the right time, expecting partnership. There are some relationships that I look at for, for me personally, like, hey, I, I'm working at this harder than you're working at it. Anybody ever felt like that? Like, I'm working way too hard at this relationship. And I don't mean we're in the uh, early stages of our relationship. I'm like, it's been years. And I'm work. you are draining me dry. You know what? There are times where you got to cut those ties. 
Pastor Rife, that don't sound like Jesus to me. Well, I'm sorry you don't read your Bible. The Lord told the disciples themselves, go into the city. If they receive it, you know. And they weren't doing any drive-by revivals. My God, Paul lived in some places for a year and a half. You understand what I'm saying? He, he, they're not doing any drive-by, set up a tent in the parking lot, and I'm here for three days, and boom, I'm out of here. When they went into an area, they settled. They got involved in that community. They, be, they got jobs in that community, literally. They got jobs in that community. They got ingrained in that community, and, and they invested in it. And Jesus said, but when you go into the community... If there's not fruit, if there's not growth, go on outside of the city. While you're out there, I want you to take your shoes off. I want you to, you know, knock the dust off of them. You know, now I probably won't be able to get these back on. But knock the dust off of them. Shake, shake the, the, the dust off of you and move on to another place that will be more receptive to, to the message of the gospel. And so there are times in your life that you've got to, you've got to pray and be in tune with the Holy Spirit and, and, and understand when, when does this come to an end? When is it time for that person to begin to invest? Because this is, fellowship is a partnership. Say it with me. Fellowship is a partnership and both sides have got to be involved in investing into that relationship let me uh he's patty caking over here so like let's go with him all right thank you neil biggest biggest uh fan right there benefits of community what are some benefits of it all right i'll see if i can just wrap these up real quick physical support when somebody's in need, when you are part of a community. Now, this might be right or wrong. I'm just saying this is the way I am. Some stranger walk up to me on the street and say, Hey, brother, can you spare me a hundred bucks? Nope. What you need? Who are you? You know, but if Erica asked me for a hundred bucks, or if Sam asked me for a hundred bucks, yeah, I'm gonna be at now don't come asking me for a hundred bucks today. <laughs> but but you understand, like when you're in community with somebody, you know their needs, you know their situation. Now it doesn't mean that the guy who walks up to you, I can't tell you how many meals that Shay and I have bought for, for people, but you know, that, goes, that only goes a certain distance because of my relationship. I don't have a relationship with them. But when you are in relationship with a community, people know your needs. They, they, they know who you are. They know your situation. And I'm telling you what, you can ask. And somebody, we, we were helping this week. And, uh, and if you're watching today, I'm sure you are. Uh, this is just a loving, gentle correction from your pastor. They said, uh, you know, I'm sorry I'm so needy. And I didn't correct you, but I'm doing it on TV right now. Um, but I didn't correct you, but I'm like, hey, you don't have to say things like that. Because in a community, when we know your need, 
it's part of our generosity and community. That's one of the the uh, benefits of community is helping people in their time of need. And I have been the recipient of help in my time of need from the church. It's really a beautiful thing. Um, accountability. Ooh, can we just pass that one? Let's just go on right on past it. No, accountability. Accountability. This is one that people don't want. But listen, can I tell you this? If you are in relationship, in godly koinonia with a local family of believers, you've got to be open to accountability. I have to be open to accountability. Nobody is exempt. Recently, one of the great heroes of the faith, and I will not say his name just out of respect for him, and he's dead and gone, but a hero of the faith, right up there with Billy Graham, and it has publicly come to knowledge that he has been having multiple uh, uh, moral failures throughout the years. And they, after they did an investigation to go, how did this happen? First of all, it's shocking that it happened because that's not even what you see when you see that. But how did it happen? How did that happen? How to this great man of God, who we only found out about this after his death, how? No accountability. That's what they said over and over, that there was no accountability. Friends, I have accountability at Destiny Church. You know why? Because I need it. I, I'm not the person that handles the books at our church. Why? Because that's not, I'm not good at the numbers like that, first of all. But you know what? Like, no, there's accountability. People, people see the numbers. If, you're a, uh, if you are in fellowship with our church, meaning partnership, and you are part of this church financially, you can look at anything you want to. Anything you want to. We've got elders that they see those numbers every month. There's accountability there. And that's just on the financial end. There's things with me as with women. I'm like, there, there are times where I'm like, I can't meet with you. <laughs> you know, I don't have anybody at the church with me today. Uh, you know, I can't do certain things. Why? Because there's accountability. When you get it wrong, you have to be corrected. Accountability. When we are in relationship with each other. And I'm just, I'm just uh, asking you, like, don't wait for accountability. Be proactive about accountability. Like, there are times where I don't get enough feedback, and I will ask people, and Larry knows this to be true. I, I will ask people, Brian, you know it to be true. Hey, tell me what you see in me that needs work. Tell me what you see in me that, if there's anything out of alignment in my life, tell me what you see, because I don't need to be uh, without covering, without shelter, without accountability. Uh, benefits of community is security. Like, when we're together as a community, we're safer when we're together. It's when you get out there by yourself and you start trying to live life outside of God's design, that's when you get yourself in trouble. But there's security in, when, when we're together, you know? 
So what, whatever it, it looks like in alignment with a, a accountability, those two kind of go together. Spiritual support. The worst thing that you could ever do, and I get it, because when I was going through one of my darkest times over the last several years, you know what I wanted to do? I wanted to go and just sleep all day with the shades pulled, and I just wanted to stay in bed. I can totally understand how people get addicted to drugs. I totally can because I'm like, I'm just going to take two of these Advil PM to just put me to sleep. Well, guess what? Life is there when you wake up. You know what I'm saying? Well, let me just take, you know, you know what I'm saying? So I can totally see how people can they get, get addicted to opioids, that they just want to escape reality, how they can, you know, I come from a family of alcoholics. I can see how you just want to drown your, your, your misery. But when you are together in a community and you are going through that, some of the times when I was going through those darkest times is when I had people around me speaking life into me because I had lost kind of a sense of reality of like this, it, it, it's bad. And they're like, it's not as bad as you think it is. Like you can't see outside of that. But Pastor Rife, I'm telling you, it's not as bad as you think it is. They were my spiritual support. The, the thing that you want to do is retreat and you should push forward. I was saying this morning, right before church, I want to quit. I would love to just turn the church over to somebody else. I would love to become an Apple Store technician and just sell you iPads all day, you know, like, and just go home and just clock out and go home and eat my ramen noodles, sit on my couch and watch something on TV. Besides the news. But that's not what God has called me or you to do. We go forward. And we, we have to have people around us as spiritual support. That's what community does. God's called us to go forward. And then he says in the church that's in partnership, there's growth. There's spiritual growth, but there's also physical growth. And sometimes, guys, and I know, you know, because the church is supposed to be growing if it's healthy. And I get growth looks different for different people. Like, if you're in a church of, uh, or, or you're in a, uh, a city of, you know, five million people and you can't grow a church to a thousand, something's wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it ought to be easy to grow a church to a thousand folks in a church of five million, uh, in a city of five million people. But church growth looks different. But in a little town where population's 1,800, like if you've got 10 in your church on Sunday, that's great. You add 12, that, you're growing. It looks different for different people. Sometimes the church actually grows by subtraction. Some of the best, thing, some, some of the best things that can happen is lose some folks. Some of the best things that happen in your life, you, could be, you need to probably lose some folks. If you got a cancer in your life, cut it out so that you can be healthy in your growth. And so growth happens in a lot of different ways. But there should be growth, both numerical growth and 
uh, internal growth. Come, come on up here and help me stop. Uh, yeah, just come on up here and help me stop. Um, but there's got to be both. God designed me to be what? Fruitful. I got to be growing. I got to be evidencing some spiritual growth. I've got to be showing signs of maturity. God expects that of us. And if you're in a local fellowship and, and, and you are part of a community that you've got to expect this, that if you're not growing, then somebody at some point is going to come along in item number two up there and say, hey man, it's time for you to step up. Call you to an account. Or if they see fruit that's not, because this morning in one of our groups uh, before church, we talked about unhealthy fruit. Like there are times that we will begin to evidence, manifest some unhealthy fruit in our lives. If you're in community with a local family of believers, like there may be times where part of your benefit is accountability. That they may say, hey, there's some things that I'm seeing in your life that they're not lining up with, with God's word. And isn't that our declaration for this year? I will constantly guard my heart and align it with God's holy word. This is out of alignment, brother. And if you're going to be part of a community that you want to grow, if you don't, if you want to be fake, if you want to continue to live with the mask of the facade, then, then that's probably not for you. But there should be growth. And then there's strength. You know, the scripture talks about where one can put a thousand to flight, two can put ten thousand to flight. Where there are two or three gathered, there I am in the midst of them. There's strength, there's power, there's anointing when it comes. And so the last thing would be anointing. And anointing comes when we are unified. If you just go home today and read Psalm 133 and you say, and you just look down through there and you say, unity dwelling together in harmony is like the anointing oil running down Aaron's on his head. The prophetic leadership is anointed by unity in the church. You can be the most anointed leader, but if you got a divided group of folks, it affects the anointing that that person can operate under. It flows down onto the prophetic voice. Unity enhances the prophetic voice of the people of God and the prophet of God. It flows down onto the body, the robe, all the way down. So our unity... Our harmony affects our anointing. Could it be, I'm just tossing this out, could it be that because there's so much disunity in our nation and even in the church right now that our anointing uh, has dropped? I don't, I don't know if you care about anointing or not, but I do. Because in my profession, in my job, and it's really all of us, you might as well get in the car and want to go somewhere and don't put a lick of gas in it. 
Or you might have the gas tank full, but you don't have a battery in it. Like, you've got to have the anointing to do what we do. You know what I'm saying? And I'm telling you what, the strongholds that we are looking to pull down, am, am I talking to the church here or who am I talking to? For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. We wrestle not against Nancy Pelosi or Donald Trump. We wrestle not against politicians or... Uh, we don't wrestle against that. Like that's... There is res a wrestling that has to go on. But they're doing that up in Washington and Mo uh, uh, Montgomery and different capitals around the, the, the world. We wrestle not against that, for we wrestle against principalities, rulers, and authorities in high places. That's where ours is, and that's why we've got to come to this place of unity so that our anointing increases and, uh, and, and our level of spiritual authority, we gain that back. Because I'm telling you, there has to be some times in the spirit realm where you just say, No! The end. The end. But, but we're not doing that. We're saying no. Let me get on my Facebook and, you know, do 18 different forwards and everything. Less of this, more prayer. I, dude, I know people get upset with me when I say things like that. But less of that, more prayer. Less of that, more seeking the face of God. Less of that, increase your authority in the spiritual realm increase your voice in the spiritual realm that comes and you need to understand because I'm friends with uh, lots of you folks on Facebook this is not intended at any of you directly if I have something to say to anybody I'll just come to say it to you I'm not trying to I'm not trying to send a subliminal message I'm like I hope that the church gets it wink wink Tim no I'm telling you as a man of God we got to go into 2021 in a different mode than we were in in 2022. Or, or, or 2020. <laughs> we got to go into a different mode in 2021 than we were in 2020. And I know that there are people that think that, Pastor, you need to be doing this, you need to be doing that, you need to be doing that. And I'm good with all that for you. Like, I can take that. I really can take that. But if the Lord speaks it to me, I'll say it. And if he doesn't, I won't. But I have made my mind up that destiny is going to be about the Father's business. We are going to be about loving people. We're going to be about uniting people. Does that mean I'm going to go stick my head in the sand somewhere? It doesn't. Does that mean that you won't ever hear me talk about President Trump or President Biden or President whoever in years and years and years to come? No. Because we are instructed to pray for our leaders. Regardless of who they are, we're going to pray for them. But... I'm just telling you, and I, please don't get, okay, stop, Rife, stop. Get mad if you want to. You'll get over it and love me, 
or you'll find somebody else who lines up more with your uh, views. Um, but I'm excited about 2021. I'm excited about what God is going to do this year. I'm excited about the church healing. I'm, a, I'm excited about the church becoming a healer. I believe that there is an anointing on our church, and I'm just, this is not placating. You know, I've said this. I believe there is an anointing on our church uh, to be a participant in racial reconciliation. I don't know fully what that looks like. I've felt it for years, way before all of the craziness that we're in now. I've always felt that, but I didn't know what it looked like. And I still don't know what it looks like. But I believe that that is an anointing on our church. And it will, uh, it, y'all going to have to uh, just be open to uh, looking different in the future. And I don't even... Don't, What's that going to look like? I don't know. It's just like, uh, who knew that I would have a hard part, you know, six years ago? Who knew that? You don't know what it's going to look like till it gets there. And, and, but I don't know what the church is going to look like, but I can tell you this. It's going to look different. And as, the church, and, and as God begins to use us in the different anointings that he's going to raise us up in, it's going to look different. The music's going to look different. The preaching is going to look different. The diff, different ways we do things is going to look different. And you don't have to be scared about any of that. Because it's the assignment that God has on this church. And if you feel called to that, you'll be here. And if you want, there are so many good churches in Baldwin County that you will be a part of. See, that's a whole nother message that I would love to preach to you, but I know y'all want to go right now. But there's a whole nother message about the church is that we have to reclaim, we have to reclaim, we have to redig the well of what it means to be shepherds. Because y'all ain't my, y'all are only my people because the Lord blessed me to be the shepherd of this house. But I don't own you. I don't own you. I'm going to, um, I told you, Joe and Lori, it, we'll do it if it feels right, and it feels right right now. Um, but I don't own you. And I, as I said to someone who God called into a different season in their life recently, I said, you know what? I'm only responsible for you while you're in the pasture that I oversee. And because God is moving you into a different season of your life, I ain't mad at you. We still friends. I love you. I'm still going to champion you. When I see you out in public, I'm going to love you like crazy. Because I'm just a shepherd that oversees sheep. I don't own the sheep. He owns the sheep. He gets to choose who gets to shepherd? Shepherding is a privilege. It's not a right.